If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint and your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one, get two, be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE that gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code JESSE. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. What's the deadliest war in history? And how do you quantify that? Well, if you're going total body count, that's clearly going to be old WW2 because of well, 
the Russia thing was a little ugly. But on a per capita basis for a country, what is the deadliest war in the history of mankind? Couple things. One, there's a great chance you've never even heard of this war. Two, it's more recent than you think. It's called the Paraguayan War. Never even heard of uh, Yeah, look at you, Chris. Never even heard of it, have you? And by the time the Paraguayan War was done, 90 percent of the Paraguayan men were dead. Not nine, not 39, not 49. Nine zero percent of the men were dead. Two thirds of the entire population gone. Per capita, by a mile, the deadliest conflict that I can tell in human history. And people don't even know it exists. They don't even know when it happened. 1860s is when it happened. Think our Civil War. And don't discount that. And don't feel bad if you didn't know about it. You don't know about things till you do know about things. Now you do. The fact that our Civil War happened at the exact time That's a huge reason why you and, frankly, most of the world doesn't know about the Paraguayan War because our civil war was so significant, not just for the United States of America, for world affairs. The United States of America fighting itself, fighting itself over the issues of slavery and states' rights, showing the rest of the world where to go, where not to go. That had such a huge impact on the known world. Who's thinking about Paraguay? But it's still an ugly, ugly conflict. And one we should take just a little bit of time on today. Here's the situation on the ground in South America in general In the 1800s. What period are we coming out of in the 1860s? Kind of coming out of, frankly, still probably in a little bit. We're coming out of the colonial period, right? There's a reason they all speak Spanish or Portuguese in South America. Who do you think colonized the place? Brazil's Portuguese. There's a couple others that are Portuguese. Rest are Spanish. And we're in an era now, 1860s, where these countries are no longer colonies or for the most part no longer colonies. You know, Spain has really lost everything by this point. Remember, they lost Mexico and I think it was 1821. the, The Spanish hold on Latin America had just evaporated. Their country was in such dire straits. They couldn't control things over there. They definitely couldn't control colonies across the ocean. So they're just letting things go. And there's a period of time 
right now, well, at that point in time, that I find to be so fascinating because I've never gone through this. You've probably never gone through this. But people have gone through this a lot in history, and boy, it must be unsettling. I'm talking about the period of time where your country is trying to figure out what kind of government it even wants. Your country's trying to figure out, in some of these cases, as I'll explain in a second, if it even wants to be a country. I mean, should we start our own thing or should we just join them? I mean, they want us in. I, I don't know. Isn't that so odd? Isn't it so odd to think? But it is the history of mankind. Okay, uh, we're independent now. Uh, the Sp- Portugal's gone. Well, I mean, what do you guys want to do? I, monarchy or I, I don't I don't know. And it was that. It was wealthy, powerful people trying to, and sometimes just pure patriots. Sometimes pure scumbags trying to put together the country and figure out what do we even want to be? What do we even call it? What are we? And they they went different directions. Brazil, at this point, we're going to be dealing with. All right, let's 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 deal let's deal with this right now. We're going to be dealing with four total countries today. It's easy, not confusing. We're going to be dealing with Brazil. You obviously know where Brazil is. It's the one country on the map all of us can label without hesitation in South America. Everybody knows where Brazil is. The gigantic one on the eastern side. Okay, so we're dealing with Brazil. We're dealing with Uruguay, Paraguay, and Argentina. I don't expect you to have a map in front of you. It never hurts to pull one up if you're able to and take a a quick glance at things just helps you get situated when you're hearing a story, when I'm telling a story, anybody's story. But just know this. You know you got Brazil. You know where Brazil is. And remember, Brazil is huge. South of Brazil, and this is a big-time oversimplification, on the southwest side of Brazil is Paraguay. On the southeast side is Uruguay. And in the south middle, a little bit, is Argentina. And Argentina is another huge country, clear down to basically the southern tip of South America. Paraguay is landlocked, and that's going to matter. Argentina, ton of ocean. Uruguay, I mean, half the country's got a border with the ocean. Brazil, obviously a ton of ocean. Paraguay, no ocean. Totally landlocked. Paraguay is only even a thing because of the Spanish. And when I say because of the Spanish, it's because of this. The Spanish were obviously exploring everywhere in South America back when they were hunting for gold. They thought Paraguay would be a great route from the Atlantic over to the Andes Mountains where they were expecting to find boatloads of gold. You know, the Spanish were always on the lookout for gold, and Paraguay's right in between. So, oh, look, this is going to be great terrain. Except, again, remember, they're exploring places that had never been explored before, unless you count by 
the native tribes, but they're not sharing such information. It turns out there is no route from Paraguay to the Andes Mountains. So it was founded on something that didn't even turn out to be true. Not heavily valued. Not exactly super rich in natural resources, although it has some. Any tropical country is going to have some because you can grow things in the tropics. The situation for each individual nation at this time was Brazil had a monarchy. They just flat out had a king. Brazil had a couple other interesting things going on. One It was still a slave country at this time. Hard to point fingers at them, so were we. And there's another couple really interesting things. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. HomeTitleLock.com can save you a whole lot of trouble. (laughs) The stories people tell about having their home titles stolen, it's nightmarish stuff. And it's not something you think about, right? It's not something I ever thought about. Until I heard about these FBI statistics, my jaw fell open. Home title theft is the online crime right now. It's the preferred crime of the cyber criminals. One, the money's great for them. Two, it's so easy. It's nothing for them to access your home title online. It's just not difficult. And because of the way it works, they're off scot-free by the time you even knew it happened. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and sign up. HomeTitleLock.com. While you're there, don't forget to use the promo code JESSE. Get yourself 30 days for free. Brazil has an interesting situation. They're huge. It's a monarchy. They're all about slavery still. They're looked down on by some of the other nations in Latin America. But while at the same time, pretty much being the most powerful nation in Latin America, it's very odd. And this part I found to be very fascinating. Brazil... It's very unusual throughout history. Look down on its troops, like the population as a whole. They were thought to be kind of the low-end scumbags of society. It's very, very odd. And look, there's a chance, and let's be honest, probably an above-average chance they earned that reputation. In a society that's so out of whack, you know, societies built on slavery just can't ever put themselves together the right way. It just doesn't work. When you have access, I mean, setting aside the obviously moral failings of it, when you have access to free this and free that, it throws societies out of whack. 
not to be too blunt about it, but when you have a human being you can force to work, do as you please, cook for you, tutor your kids. Remember, the Romans had slaves all over the place that, that ran the gamut from the salt mines to tutors who were treated very well. Um, I was trying to think of the best way to put this with the family show. Female slaves, you understand what I'm saying? That you can order to do as you please. Obviously, on top of that being freaking horrific, it screws up society if you no longer have this built-in system of the male-female pursuit. Much better if you're out there trying to track one down yourself so you can grab her and put a ring on it and settle down with her. It just, it's better for society in general. So they were screwed up anyway. And the troops, such as they were, were ruffians. This is a pretty rough lot. Argentina... A different story and not necessarily a better story. Argentina was essentially an oligarchy at the time. They just had a bunch of nobles, I guess you'd call them, business leaders running things. Well, that doesn't generally work well because businessmen, business leaders, they compete with each other. So Argentina was a fairly divided country amongst itself. Paraguay, not any better. Paraguay was ran, and it's, it's so, I find it so odd how people describe one thing versus another thing when I view them as the same thing. If you look officially at how the governments were set up at the time, Brazil was a monarchy, Paraguay was an authoritarian place run by one guy. Well, What's the difference? You know, I mean, I don't understand what the difference is. You're call, Just because you're calling one king and you're not calling the other king, it's the same thing. But that's what Paraguay is, run by a man named Lopez. Here's where we get we went wrong. There's already tension between the countries. I don't want you to feel like they're getting along. Paraguay, run by an authoritarian. However, and this will come into play here, Paraguay did have an interesting military system. I'm not going to call it a good one, but it was certainly one that had some good things to it. They didn't wear shoes. They didn't wear boots. And I know what you're thinking. That's crazy. It's got to be hard on the feet and all that. And yeah, all that stuff's true. I, I wouldn't recommend that if you start your own country and start an army. However, they did it so they could make sure everybody was on even ground when they joined the military. It's it's a real band of brothers type thing. Oh, I'm I'm from a wealthy family. You're from a poor family. None of that matters. Neither of us, neither of us have shoes. Now, you may roll your eyes at that. Maybe think that's just some symbolic thing. There's a real psychological impact of that. Why do you think they sit everybody down in boot camp and buzz off all the hair off their heads right when you get there? In Marine Corps boot camp, not only do they buzz off the hair, you're not even allowed to refer 
to yourself. Do you know that? You're not allowed to say me, myself, I. You're only allowed to refer to yourself as this recruit. Completely, and and people can whine about, oh, that's so dehumanizing. Yeah, they're trying to make you into something else. So it was kind of cool. That part of the system was kind of cool. And there's tension between the nations. Argentina's kind of chirping at Paraguay. Paraguay's kind of chirping at Brazil. But all of it's kind of okay. Now I know what you're thinking. What about Uruguay? And it's funny you should bring that up because they're actually the catalyst for this whole ugly affair. Uruguay was a nation at this time. There was a Uruguay Kind of. When I say kind of, I mean it existed. But as you look at a map, you can see they're sandwiched right in between Argentina and Brazil. And they existed as kind of, remember I said the nations were finding their own way, figuring out what they wanted to be, who they wanted to be, what they wanted to do. Uruguay just kind of thought they were about to be absorbed by Brazil and Argentina. And big parts of Uruguay were totally okay with it. Now, don't get me wrong. There was a rebellion faction that wanted Uruguay to be Uruguay and their own thing. And that's really cool, too. But there was a significant portions of the country were thinking to themselves, whatever. I mean, we'll see whoever wants us. It's fine. Wild to think about, isn't it? Imagine that being you. I mean, I don't know who's going to take us, Canada or Mexico. I'm sure one of them. Somebody let me know. Someone let me know. I mean, Canada seems like a pretty cool place, but Mexico has hotter women. I guess whatever. We'll see how it works. I don't know. Canadian chicks are pretty hot, too, Chris. We can't sell them short. Yes, they are, Chris. (laughs) That's absurd. absurd. That's the situation. Brazil decides they're going to move this situation along a little. And Brazil... Marches down towards Uruguay, but not in competition with Argentina. Joining with Argentina, they're just going to give Uruguay the old-fashioned Poland spit roast like Poland got in World War II. Let's just jump in and let's just do this thing, right? And what are they worried about? Nothing. You're certainly not going to worry about a place like Paraguay when you're Brazil and you're Argentina and you dwarf Paraguay in size and numbers and strength. Paraguay's not nothing at this point, but I mean, compared to Brazil and Argentina, they're just nothing. Nothing. What are they going to do? Attack us over it? Yeah. Yeah, they will, actually. Because it turns out this guy Lopez is a card-carrying psychopath. He decides to just go ahead and seize a Brazilian ship that's sailing. He decides to invade Brazil with his small army. So Brazil and Argentina invade Uruguay, and Paraguay looks at that, and they're mad, and they think, we should go down south and help Uruguay. You know what we're going to do first, though? We're going north, and we're invading Brazil. Yeah.
One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Brazil, Argentina decide they're taking off down to Uruguay. Paraguay is upset by this. So, and honestly, it is the most bizarre move. Maybe the guy was crazy like a fox. But Lopez, the man who ran Paraguay, and I do mean Lopez. They have an interesting military structure where the authoritarian Lopez really calls all the shots. He doesn't delegate much authority. He doesn't have some genius general. He's, you know, well, general, I'll leave this up to you. Just conceptually do this. No, he's running things. Instead of pushing south to help the people in Uruguay who were on his side, he invades the much larger, much more powerful Brazil. I, I, I'm still stunned. I, I I tried to figure out what his thinking was. Maybe he was trying to pull the Brazilians off. Either way, yeah, he takes a little bit of Brazil because clearly Brazil didn't see it coming. Brazil's all, wait, what? And not only did he take you know, a little piece of Brazil, he took a totally useless piece. I guess he was thinking there'd be tons of stuff there and this wasn't anything. Brazil didn't even have it defended. They're all, uh, what? Uh, what? Have you been there? He sees this, turns around, and looks south at Uruguay and says, oh, well, I guess we better get down there now and takes off for Uruguay. But remember, this is the 1860s, not the 1960s. You can only move armies at this time as fast as a man can walk. As fast as a man can walk in the swamp and the heat and the disease. And look, it's just brutal in every possible way. It's just brutal to fight in a jungle. It is. Chris asked if that's the worst place to march. It's the worst place to fight, I would say. I never had to fight there. I did training in the jungle. The worst place to march is the sand. The sand 
absolutely sucks the life out of you because you step forward and it pulls you back and down. You're you're you have to put in twice as much effort to hump through the sand. It's similar to snow, but the sand is worse. They had this huge hill in uh, 29 Palms, California, where I was stationed, and they just flat out called it Sand Hill. And I'm doing this off of memory, so my measurements may be way off. If, you, I, I, if you've been there, email me with the corrections with however I'm wrong about it. It's called Sand Hill. Anyone who's been to 29 Palms will know what I mean. I want to say it's 500 feet up. Maybe that's wrong. I would just 500 feet up, sloping from bottom to top. But because of where it's situated in kind of the sandy desert hills, the sand is so deep. I mean, sometimes halfway up your shins deep. And so when you're out on a PT run or something, if they feel like being jerks, you'll be, you'll be on the way back to the barracks and you'll think I'm almost done. They never told you. I always hated this. Hated, and they do it on purpose. It's healthy for you. It's good. It builds up mental toughness. They never, ever, ever told you how far you were going. You would take off on a run, and sometimes it'd be you know, a couple miles. And sometimes it'd be eight, and you didn't know. And they would do things like run you back towards the barracks, and you know which direction you're going, and you're like, oh, gosh, thank goodness I'm sucking wind back here. And you're heading back to the barracks, and you're almost to the barracks. And then they veer off and head towards Sand Hill. Let's run Sand Hill once. Oh, you want to talk about ripping your heart out of your chest. And they do the same thing on long humps, too. You're out humping through the desert on the way back to, and there's the best feeling in the world. You have this base, 29 Palms, and then you have this, this chain of hills behind it. And there's a ton of 29 Palms past those hills, but that's really what you can see when you're in 29 Palms is the hills. And so you go on these humps and you take off and you hump over the hills and then you're out into the wilderness and you're humping all over the place. And when you're humping back and you finally crest the hills and you're looking down this long slope towards the base. And remember, a hump is like the most grueling thing you can do to your body. You feel like you're dying. It it's the greatest feeling in the world when you crest those hills and you're looking down and you know, okay, I just have to survive for another half a mile downhill and we'll be fine. And they would do the same thing to you sometimes. You'd start walking down the hill and they'd just hook a left or a right towards Sand Hill and you're like, oh, I'm, that's it. I'm not going to make it. Someone call my mom and tell her I love her. I'm not, I'm not coming home. Anyway. The swamp, though, is bad, too. And these guys are all humping through the swamp. Mud, disease, it's just, it's really, really bad. Access to clean water is a huge problem. Part of the reason the jungle is so difficult, and part of the reason this conflict is so difficult, is the jungle dehydrates you, obviously, because of the heat. And the humidity. It's sucking water out of your body. Plus the stress of being in battle or about to be in battle. That's sucking more water water out of your body. Plus the dysentery. You need to drink water. You need to drink a lot of water in that environment. If you, if Chris and I were going on a one-day hike, 10 miles, through the swamp 
you know, forget that. Call it five. Five miles through the swamps of Paraguay, we would each have to have at least, I would guess, a gallon of water on us and probably be super hydrated going into it. And I mean a hike. I don't mean a battle hike. Chris and I throw it on a backpack and walking through. It's the, It just sucks the water out of your body. Well, how much water is an army consuming? Where are you getting that water? Well, you know what I'm getting at. Now you have a bunch of guys who are drinking dirty water to survive, but the dirty water gives you the green apple splatters. And the green apple splatters dehydrate you further. You see where I'm getting? It's just brutal. Even for people who live in that climate, it's brutal to fight there. So he tries to march back down to Uruguay. Uruguay has already fallen by now. And if you did that thing earlier where you looked at a map, you'll know what I'm talking about. But there's this little strip of land that's Argentina in between Paraguay and Uruguay. Paraguay and Uruguay are not sharing a border. They're not. There's a strip of Argentina through there. So Paraguay, who currently has no conflict with Argentina, they've started a big conflict with Brazil, but no conflict with Argentina. Paraguay says to Argentina, hey, uh, this little strip of of ground between us and Uruguay, we're going to march some troops through that, okay? And Argentina says, not okay. And Paraguay says, okay, we're at war with you too. I know. I know. It's it's part of being under a monarchy or, I'm sorry, an authoritarian regime. It actually can work out really great for you if you get a good one. But you get a bad one and they can seal the doom of you and everybody you've ever loved. The guy started a fight on purpose with two nations that dwarfed him in size. Now Argentina declares war. Oh, and did I mention already? I know I did. Uruguay has already fallen. Well, they're controlled by the other guys now. So they join in the fight against Paraguay, who is coming down to help Uruguay. Now it's Paraguay against three countries. Now it's ugly. stocky follow like and subscribe on social at jesse kelly dc goldalliance.com slash jesse while i'm talking go there start looking around what it is is a gold ira you know about iras you know roth iras iras these retirement we're talking about retirement You need a gold one to diversify your portfolio. I couldn't imagine having all my money in stocks and bonds at this point. Do you even know what the national debt is? What the deficit is going to be this year? I just saw an article that said 60%, 60 of business closures, permanent. How long do you think the market stays high like that? Diversify and protect yourself. 
Go to goldalliance.com slash jesse. That's goldalliance.com slash jesse. Go there today. I probably have been very hard on Lopez. Maybe not hard enough on Lopez. It just depends on who you talk to. When we get to the end, though, you may find yourself with a little soft spot for him. Give me a second. Now Argentina and Brazil are coming. Now they're invading Paraguay. But Paraguay does have some advantages here. Yes, they're being invaded by two very, very, very powerful countries, at least compared to them. I don't want to act like Brazil and Argentina are powerful, but compared to Paraguay, they certainly are. However, Brazil, Argentina, and Uruguay have a real issue. One, leadership. It is extremely, extremely difficult in any conflict to get nations to join together and coordinate their military operations properly. Do you have any idea how gigantic the size of a general's ego is? They're huge. They're generals. Every one of them thinks they're Hannibal Barca and Alexander the Great rolled up into one. Therefore, it's very difficult to get them together. They say the greatest thing Eisenhower ever did was that. Pull generals, powerful, capable men from other nations together and lead them and guide them. It's hard. Oftentimes, it fails spectacularly. This is one of those times. And... Not to just put it all on the generals. The troops aren't very good at all. Not only are they trained kind of average, they're not motivated. Remember Brazil? The ruffian troops they didn't think highly of? Brazil had to basically farm for volunteers to come invade Paraguay. Just because Brazil was a huge country didn't mean it had a gigantic military. And all right... It's a lot easier to find volunteers when you're trying to defend your own town. How hard would it be to talk you into arming up and defending your house? But not difficult, right? I probably wouldn't even have to ask. How difficult would it be to talk you into arming up and invading Mexico City? More difficult, significantly. You signed up as a volunteer for the Brazilian army, and now you're invading Paraguay? I don't don't even care about Paraguay. Already, that's, that's a problem. The coordination is a problem. And to their credit, remember I talked about the barefoot thing? The Paraguayan military, Paraguayan, Paraguayan, I don't know. They are fierce fighters. They are loyal to each other, and now they're being invaded. How many times have you and I had this conversation? It is very hard 
to invade another country because, right back to the question we just had, how hard would you defend your house? You're invading someone else's country. They will fight you to the death. They lay siege to a Paraguayan fort. The Paraguayans knew they were coming. They'd stocked up on supplies. So the Allies, which is what what they call the Brazil, Argentina, Uruguay army, they call them the Allies. The Allies are having a real rough go of it because Paraguay knew they were coming, stocked up, and they're fine. Meanwhile, you have a bunch of fairly untrained troops who don't want to be there camping out in a swamp. That's miserable. Sieges aren't only miserable for the people inside the place that's under siege. They're miserable for the ones who are laying it. To make matters worse, Paraguay, they really foster a spirit of aggression. They do not hide behind the walls. They take small units out and do essentially terror campaigns out against the Brazilians and the Argentinians. They'll send 30 guys out and cut some century's head off and leave his headless body there. And stories like that spread, especially when you don't want to be there. Oh my gosh, it's so hot. I have so many mosquito bites. Wait, what happened to Larry last night? Oh, this is not, this is not good. I want to go home. So you've got a problem. However, Paraguay has virtually no chance to win this war in the end, and the other people know it. So they choose to essentially abandon this fort and invade behind it. You don't have to attack a fort. Attack somewhere else. Paraguay is now on their heels and will stay on their heels throughout. But we're at the point in the story where I start to admire Lopez a little bit. And this is what I mean. Lopez is outnumbered. Lopez's army runs into the Brazilian-Argentine forces, and he's heavily outnumbered, and he, well, hang on. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
Lopez at a place called Tuyuti. Again, a swamp. Heavily outnumbered. Decides he's going to charge. He's going to attack. Apparently it was horrifying for the opposing troops who didn't believe what they were seeing. A bunch of these insane Paraguayans charging them on horseback with spears. But Lopez is starting to have some severe issues on the home front. You see, he may be the authoritarian, but he isn't the only one with power. And a lot of very wealthy people in his country, powerful people, the upper class families... They think this is suicide, and they're starting to defect to the Allied forces. Well, Lopez is certainly not a man to take such things laying down. He has what he thinks is a solution for these traitors. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. The Battle of Tuyuti ends. Paraguay begins to collapse. Lopez has his upper class people becoming traitors, going to other countries. He then takes their relatives and puts them in the front, lo- front lines of the army where they all die. The Paraguayan capital falls. Paraguay loses the war. However, Lopez isn't done. Lopez continues a year-long guerrilla fighting campaign. Finally, he has more traitors in his ranks. They go over to the other side and direct the other side to where Lopez is to where Lopez and his guys are. Lopez is heavily involved in the fighting at this point. I don't mean sitting back pointing fingers. This dude is out there. He finds himself with a spear in his stomach and a sword wound on his head. I actually think he had removed the spear. His troops are completely routed. He is laid by a river, dying. He's sitting by this river with his sword, wounded and bleeding, and the opposing general approaches him and says, 
Okay, brother. You're done. I'm going to let you live. Just surrender. Lopez says, I die with my nation and attacks with the sword. And they kill him. Like I said, you were going to end up having a little bit of a soft spot for the guy, right? One, he's out there in the mud and the blood, too. And two, that's kind of a cool way to go. You and I, we take things for granted. And that's not some dig at at either of us. Not you or me. It's human nature. It's human nature to have certain things you get used to or certain things you know and just not dwell on them, not think about them. How many times have you had a bad moment or two and thought to yourself, oh, man, Life sucks right now. How many times have you thought that or said that? You have at some point. We all have. Don't, I'm not pointing fingers. Maybe you got maybe you got passed over for a promotion at work. Maybe you got laid off. Big fight with the wife. Maybe you're getting maybe maybe a divorce from the husband. Something terrible, really terrible. Problems with your kids. Who knows? Life life's going to bring you problems. And you make all-encompassing statements like, life sucks right now. Don't ever lose sight of the fact we are extremely blessed to not live in certain times in certain places. You and I have only ever known relative government Stability. Whether you love the guy or hate the guy, everyone hates Congress. In general, half the country at least hates the president. And sometimes the president's an idiot. Sometimes you really hate him. I hated Barack Obama. Hated. Still, the United States of America as a whole, as a nation, safe, stable, clean, and we take it for granted. And we've taken it for granted for so long that we've lost an appreciation of how rare that is. Instability is the history of the world. And I say this because I... To put it very frank, I see troubles coming and not minor troubles in my lifetime. No, I don't think it'll be all oh, this election and then there's going to be a, a palace coup. And then I, I'm not saying that stuff. I don't, I don't believe that. But in my lifetime, I see real, real troubles coming. The kind of trouble where people die. And it's causing me, because I see these troubles coming, it's causing me to look back on the 39 years I've had on this earth and appreciate them a bit more. I feel like the 
storm is on the horizon and I'm taking some more time than I normally do now to just look around and thank God for my blessings and thank God for the dry season because I think the wet season's coming. I do. It's ugly out there. And oddly, I think uh, one of the catalysts for it was the coronavirus fiasco. You can argue the coronavirus simply revealed how far we've rotted as a society, and I would agree. But whether it revealed it or not, when the United States of America, when its citizens have completely lost the meaning of the word free, that does not spell good things for the future of this country. I want you to listen to A.G. Barr, something he said real quick, and we're going to talk about this. Putting a national lockdown, stay-at-home orders is like house arrest. It's, not, it's, the, it's you know, other than slavery, which was a different kind of restraint, this is the greatest intrusion on civil liberties in American history. He's right, but that's not the problem. The problem is America laid down for it without a second thought. Without a second thought. People thought governors and mayors actually had the authority to force this business to close and leave that one open. People were debating all over the place. Should we lock down? Shouldn't we lock down? I can't decide. What's the safest thing? What's the medical community say? Does anyone ask this doctor? And very few of us stood up and asked, uh, I don't care what the doctor said. I don't care what you say we should or shouldn't do. You don't have the authority to destroy us like that. The American answer when a politician tells you to close down your business is go F yourself. Come make me. That's the American answer. That's what free people do. And that's what a people who appreciate their freedoms do. And it's not as if I'm pointing fingers and saying it's all the fault of the American people. We just, over time, as happens in nations, especially wealthy ones, we simply have lost touch with what made us great, with what made us different. And once you've lost that, once you've lost what it means to be free, I mean, the end game's already here. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps. And then they carry 
with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.